Hey, y'all, I'm Kim Stewart, host of Book Marketing Mania, where we talk about all the things to help you meet new readers and market your books online. Today, I've invited Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith as my guest. Sandra is the host of the I Choose My Best Life podcast, an award-winning author of Sacred Rest, as well as a well-known speaker and author coach. I first heard Sandra speak about being your own publicist at the She Speaks conference several years ago and was taking notes like crazy, y'all. I also discovered she had a Be Your Own Publicist self-paced course and then heard her speak again on this topic at the Spark conference this year, and I knew I had to bring her on the show to share all her nuggets of PR wisdom with you all. Sandra has been interviewed on multiple media outlets with a mix of TV, radio, podcast, and publications, and I just recently heard her as a guest on Gwyneth Paltrow's podcast. Okay, total fangirl moment. <laughs> she was talking about Sacred Rest, her book baby that is now four and a half years old. How cool is that? Sandra has so much to share about the power of being your own publicist and getting over the fear of putting yourself out there. You are in for a treat today, so let's get to it. Hey, Sandra, welcome to the Book Marketing Mania podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. Thanks for having me, Kim. So everybody heard me gush about you in the introduction and that we wanted to talk about um, how to be your own publicist. And so can you just share, like there's, I know that we have some listeners in the audience that maybe haven't been down the book launch journey yet, and they're writing words and they want to be able to share them, but can you kind of share at first what you mean by being your own publicist? Yeah, well, I think often, or at least for myself, when I first got my traditional contract, you know, I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, I have this big publishing house behind me. So all I got to do is write the book and then they're going to take over and, you know, get it out there into the masses. That's just not the reality of it. You know, they do help. Mm-hmm. Most of them have a set amount of time that they will devote to helping you get, you know, radio, TV and podcast interviews. But that time frame is very short, particularly if, you know, they all have other authors coming right after you, this book after book after book they're putting out. So a lot of that responsibility for securing ongoing media placement falls back on the author. It's like, what are you going to do after that three months that they've devoted to you? How are you going to get the word out? And really, most of us don't have the income to pay $2,000 or $5,000, which is the normal range per month for a publicist to have someone who's out there, you know, pitching our book to different media outlets and helping us get visibility. And so really, if you want to continue to get your book in front of new readers, continue to let people know about what services or whatever it is you might be providing, the only way you can do that is by being your own publicist, pitching yourself to those media and those outlets that you want to get in front of. Yeah, I love that. And I mentioned in my podcast, well, I guess it was two weeks ago, uh, my last podcast episode about hearing you on the Goop podcast, which was super fun after just seeing you at Spark and hearing you talk about a book that's several years old. And so it's so fun to see authors that are still out there just connecting with readers and um, sharing their message with new audiences. So I do want to talk about that because I know you mentioned at Spark, you know, one of your talking points was um, no more feast or famine. And I just love that because I know just as an avid reader, oftentimes, you know, we just get bombarded on social media and in our email list 
with authors that have a book launching, right? You hear from them a ton at that point, and then it's like crickets, you know, we don't hear anything from them any other time or, you know, until it comes book launch time again. And so we just kind of talk about a little bit about the importance of that, whether you have a book or not, like even again, if you're um, writing your words today and getting your book ready to even pitch to a publisher, just the importance of, you know, identifying your target reader and really showing up and sharing your content with them on an ongoing basis. Yeah, I think we just have to be realistic about how that looks. I mean, it looks very self-serving and selfish when the only time you're connecting with your list is when you need something. Mm -hmm. And I think we always have to enter into that relationship with a servant's heart. So if these people have entrusted you with space in their inbox, which is precious, we all Mm -hmm. know, you know, uh, how many times have you like, okay, do I want to keep it or do I want to click unsubscribe? So if they're remaining on your list, they expect value from you. They expect something that's going to continue to feed them and to help them experience whatever it is that you bring to the table that they were attracted to. If you're only doing that in these kind of feast moments when you are like you're you're reaching out to them four or five times within a week because you're trying to sell your course or you're reaching out there every time you try to launch a book and you're sending them, you know, make please order today and you get the freebies and you're getting back to back to back emails. It just doesn't feel good from the reader's standpoint. It feels like you're being taken advantage of. It's like, oh, so I'm a captive audience. So now you want to talk to me. And I think we have to understand that in order to have the type of relationships we want with our readers where they are, you know, wanting, looking forward to getting our content, they have to have some kind of consistency with that. They have to have something to look forward to. It can't come just every blue moon. There has to be kind of this ongoing back and forth, back and forth where there's not these famine times and then these feasting times, but there's consistent engagement with them where it doesn't, and it, you get to choose how consistent that is. It could be mm-hmm. once a month. It could be once a quarter, but there needs to be some regularity to it. And the more you can verbalize that regularity, the better it is for your reader, because then they know, okay, so once a month or once a quarter, I'm going to get this update or this, you know, this information that's going to help me and whatever the reason I'm connecting with this author. Then when you have a book launch and you send out those, you know, five emails in a week, mm-hmm. they understand that, oh, okay, this is something that's really important to her, but it doesn't feel like, well, the only time she reaches out is when she needs something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a great um, tips for our listeners about that. Cause I know that, yeah, we just want to keep the consistency going. And I love how you mentioned, like, just let them know, right? Just let them know what it is. It doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be every week, but at least let them know what to expect. And that helps us, um, you know, kind of create our own routines, right? So for those of us like myself, that's not great at self-promotion. Um, for the listeners, will you share, Sandra, just some tips on, you know, how we can we get over that fear of well, we think of it as promotional, right? We don't think of it as like we're out there just trying to reach the masses with this message that God's given us. We tend to put the hat on of, oh, it's that icky, you know, marketing ourselves, marketing ourselves and promoting and selling. And how can we kind of shift that around to to really focus on that we're out there trying to help people and not just being self-promotional? Yeah, I call it marketing evangelism. Mm-hmm. So when I'm marketing myself, I'm. it's not just about, you know, trying to say, you know, buy the book, buy the book, buy the book is actually helping people engage with whatever the topic is that's in the book. And so if you look at whatever your marketing is as part of how you you share the good news, as how you help people 
become, you know, aware of whatever it is that God wants to do or change or transform in their lives, it doesn't feel so icky because it doesn't feel like you're just trying to take. It feels like you're trying to give, but you've got to engage them before you can even give them whatever it is. And, you know, I think that for myself was a big shift because now, like if I get onto an interview and I think every podcaster who does interviews with authors has had this experience where you get on with an author and every other word out of their mouth is in my book, yada, yada, Mm -hmm. yada, in my book, yada, yada, yada. And they never talk about the topic. It's Mm -hmm. always about this is why I wrote the book and this is what's in the book and all these other things when really they would sell more books if they talked about the content, at least give the person an idea of why this content is meaningful to them, the person who's going to purchase it, the person who's listening to that interview. If they can't understand what is in the book that they need, they will never buy the book, no matter how many times you tell them to go buy the book. So I think we have to kind of shift our mindset um, from marketing to being very customer-oriented. Mm-hmm. What is it the customer's needing that in this marketing opportunity, I can help clarify for them the problem and then give them just the slightest glimpse of hope of what the potential answer would be, and then let them know that they can go deeper into that answer within my book. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I know we talk a lot on here about uh, pitching podcasts specifically, but you know, like backing up from that, even like first you have to to pitch the media that story, right? Because that, that is one thing I wanted to ask you about. And I think you kind of already led into it was just, you know, how can we let the media know we have a story and, and a message that's a value to the viewers and the listeners that's not just, hey, I just want to come on and talk about my book. Um, so do you have any, do you have any encouragement for our listeners to pull that out? Like if they just, you know, they just think, well, I've just got a book. Like it's really hard to pull out those topics or stories. Do you have any um, encouragement for them to do that? Yeah, you know, there's a couple of ways that I recommend that people do that if they have a hard time, because sometimes when you write it, it's like mm-hmm. you, you are so, you're so engaged with it, you can't extrapolate the pieces from it. I found someone having kind of a, another reader who is just reading it like the average person, so to speak, you know, it's not the editor or, you know, not someone who specifically is being paid to read the book, but just a friend. Have someone to read the book and ask them, you know, what were the areas within this book that when you read it, it just stood out to you as a topic that, you know, this is something that other people need to read. Or was there a moment that you were like, oh, I need to share this with X, Y, Z, you know, whoever that person mm-hmm. is. Because usually those are topics that would be very easy for many people to to really relate to. And that's what you want with the media. You want a topic that a lot of people can relate to. Because you are talking to the masses, but you can't talk in such generalized terms that it doesn't get specific to what, you know, that person who really should be reading your book needs. Mm-hmm. So it has to be, it has to be kind of open-ended, but then you need to bring it down so that you can actually help hone in on whatever that main topic or main category. You know, for most of us, there's kind of an underlying reason we write a book. You know, some people will say, oh, I feel like God led me to write. But Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a there's something in your background, your history, your training, something, you know, there's something about you specifically as being the person who he asked or called to write that particular book. And so I think we have to really get um, clear about our own calling 
you know, what is it specifically is that I call it the ministry umbrella, kind mm-hmm. of the big heading under which we share about who God is, who, how we share the love of God for myself. My ministry umbrella is healing. That's how I share the love of God by helping people understand the different areas that he wants to come in and heal. And so each person has to identify kind of that because that will help you a lot to to really hone in, not only on branding, because you don't want to be talking about everything, Mm -hmm. but it also helps you to be able to see what topics you can pull out of every book that fit within your brand and your ministry umbrella. Okay. Hey, and what, um, so for, for you with a medical background and, and lots of variety of topics you can talk about under your umbrella and to a secular audience, as well as to a Christian audience, how do you differentiate between those? Like when you are pitching media, do you, um, you know, put on a different hat or do you, you know, like, do you lead them to a different landing page versus like what your Christian author landing page might look like? I'm just thinking like for some of our, um, listeners that maybe they have a, a message for moms and it's not just for Christian moms or Mm -hmm. they might be in mental health like you. And, and, you know, it's not just for, um, Christian, you know, a a Christian audience. It could be for a secular audience too. What, What tips do you have on pitching mainstream media? Yeah, I think you do have to, I have two different one sheets. Uh I have a Christian, um, a Christian one sheet, you know, that's primarily what I use to send out to Christian podcasts and Christian media. Then I have a general market one sheet. And so the topics basically are, are whether or not I'm going to specifically quote scriptures and you know have questions based around scriptural type things, or am I going to talk about it in a more general sense so that it's more inclusive? So I do have two general, uh, two completely different. Well, I, I say they're completely different. They look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's different are the, que- the sample questions. Mm-hmm. That is the only thing that's actually different on those two sheets. Okay. Um, and then I, my website is a general website that has, is I choose my best life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on that particular website, it has everything. So I cover, so it has the headings say things like family and finance and health and emotions. So, you know, spirituality. So it has all of these different headers um, with the blog on that website. And so I don't feel like I have a need to separate that out because I've already kind of made it clear. These are the topics that I talk. These are the areas of healing that I deal with then. So mm-hmm. I send everybody to that. Now within that, because I know a lot of speakers are also, a lot of authors rather are also speakers. Mm-hmm. Within that, if you hover over like my speaking, you'll see I segment it out. There's a, a link to click for corporate and you know general speaking. And then there's a link to click for faith-based speaking. Because those, the topics are different, the speak, you know, the subjects I'm going to talk about, how we conduct it, all of those things are different. So I segment them out kind of within the details, but it's all on one main head, main website. Okay. Okay. That makes it super easy. Yeah. To just, then they can just find what they need to do. And, um, or I know I've looked at your media page. Like if you're putting that in your bio on a media pitch, that'd be super easy, right? For them just to go to that one place and see everything you speak about and, um, and where you've spoke. So I think that's so great. Um, so, you know, at Spark, you talked about being your own publicist and pitching, being pitching, you know, every month or every week, whatever interval you can do it at. Do you, do you just like pitch different outlets all the time? Or do you have like certain periods of time you're only pitching TV or only pitching publications or only pitching podcasts or only doing speaking events? Or do you just kind of uh, mix it up? I do mix it up. It varies because there's different seasons. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of seasonal things that occur um, within media. So 
and within speaking. So there's periods of speaking like in the summer. The summer is a pretty down period for speaking mm-hmm. in general. Fall and spring are very high time frames for speaking engagements. So during this, those high times when I'm doing a lot of like traveling related to speaking, that's not a great time normally to do a lot of media interviews or mm-hmm. media pitching. Because if you pitch like your, your local TV station, they can give you like a moment's notice that they want you to come. Mm-hmm. So you need to be available, you know, but if you've got all these other things you're doing that month, and you're like, oh, well, can we switch it? They're just going to give you a no mm-hmm. and say, oh, you know, sorry, we'll get back with you and you'll never hear from them again. So I always recommend kind of look at your lifestyle, your schedule. If you have kids, look at when they're in school and kind of what your flexibility is with some of those things. Pitch your local TV and radio places where they're going to likely want you to show up in person. Pitch those during your, your personal down seasons, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like for you. And then those places that, you know, that are remote, like podcast and things like that, where, you know, for the most part, you could likely do it just from any computer anywhere. Those to me can be pitched at any time. So I do a lot of podcast pitching just because, you know, those, as long as I have my my mic and a camera, you know, whatever, I can always plug in and, and do those, even if I'm in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, it's, and I love hearing you talk about local TV. That's a good idea to think about that. Like, when is your time that it would be super easy for you to hop on? And since they don't give you a lot of um, notice on that. So can you tell us about your quiz? Because I know you've been talking about this or you've had a quiz for quite a while. You're like the pioneer in my mind of quizzes in our niche. Um, your rest quiz, because I know a lot of times people want to know, like, so at the end of the interview, what do I do? Like, I want to tell them to buy my book or to go check out my website. But I love that you have a quiz that makes sense and everybody needs to take Sandra's quiz for sure and learn about rest. But um, can you just kind of talk about how you got started in that and then, you know, just how successful it's been for you and how easy it is for the listeners or the viewers to take advantage of that? Because I hear you uh, just mention a short URL and it's obviously something after they've heard you speak, they want to take action and sign up for it. Yeah, I think that's why so many people feel that media doesn't work for them because they they go on these shows and then they go back and they look at their Amazon ratings or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they're looking at yeah. and they're like, Oh, not no books sold. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what I started to do, my focus wasn't on, I don't necessarily care about selling books at that first interview. Mm-hmm. My focus is, can I get them on my email list? And so, you know, I tried the, the, as many people have, you know, the lead magnet with the little PDF where you give mm-hmm. them a sheet of something. I tried that. I didn't get very much success with that. Um, and then when I was looking through these seven types of rest with the book, Sacred Rest, one of the things that, and like I said, it's just listening to what other people were saying. One of the things I kept hearing people talk about was, you know, man, I wonder, you know, I feel like I need all of these. I mean, how do I know which one I need the most? And that was such a consistent comment. This was pre-readers, you know, mm-hmm. this before the book comes out. The number one thing I kept hearing, I thought, you know what, that's that's something people are wanting. Let me figure out a way to quantify for them what type of rest they're most efficient in. And so that's where the quiz came from, um, kind of putting that together, figuring out the questions, doing all the pieces. I already had the quiz idea within the book, but I didn't have it electronic. Mm-hmm. So the book actually has a paper version of the quiz, you know. Yeah. So and it so it was it was already an idea in my head, but I had not like elect made it electronic. 
And so when people kept saying that, you know, I really want to be able to quickly find out, um, I went ahead and I created this online quiz. Now, the thing was, for it to be online, my mindset was that it has to be something I can say at the end or within an interview so that people could quickly remember it. So it mm-hmm. couldn't be Dr. Dalton Smith at, you know, dot com backslash yada, yada, you know, all of mm-hmm. yeah. this stuff, because that was my thinking initially, I'll just put it on my website. But that was so complicated. I knew people couldn't remember all of that. First of all, they don't even know how to spell Dalton half mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> and so I was like, let me see if I can simplify the URL to a custom URL that is so simple, stupid. There's no way you can't remember it. And that's where restquiz.com came from. Well, it was so simple that in the, you know, at the end of any interview, even if they forgot to ask me how to connect with me, I could just in conversation say, yeah. And if people are are interested in knowing how, you know, which type of rest they're most efficient in, they can visit restquiz.com and get a free assessment. Well, that flew out of my mouth every interview so fast that that the person couldn't even respond. Mm -hmm. So it didn't matter if they were willing to let me do it or not. It came out so fast and it was so simple that we always saw spikes in the number of people taking the interviews Mm -hmm. or taking the quiz. And so when they take the quiz, they, you know, get an email directly from me. I get access to their email address and then I can continue the conversation with them because that's really what you want to do after any interview. Mm -hmm. You want to focus on how do I continue this conversation? Because if this person is interested enough to do whatever it was I asked them to do, that is my person that, you know, Mm -hmm. those are my, that's my tribe. I just, they're just not ready to buy right now. Maybe they don't believe in themselves enough to be able to change whatever that problem is. Mm -hmm. Maybe they need some motivation. So you need to nurture that reader for a moment to let them see that you have some tips and tricks and strategies that they can actually implement. You need an opportunity for them to get to know you so that Mm -hmm. you then become someone that they trust to help them on that journey. And that's what I really feel like helped so much with, with building out my email list and selling more and more books. Mm. Yeah, that's so great. Because I know, um, yeah, sometimes you just kind of take a quiz and then you may or might not even get the results, right? With some of them nowadays, or you might get the results, but then you don't know what to do with it, right? And there's no connection afterwards. So that's such a great just progression of how yours works. Um, and I, I just, I know I've signed up to work before, but I signed up for it again because I wanted to see how it works. And I just love that it's just instant. You get something, you know, and also you have just like a quiet little mention of your book in there. And so obviously that would be, you know, my my interest is peaked and I'd want to click on the book. And I'm sure it's just a natural progression after the interview, at the end of your interview where you've already talked about rest, right? And so everybody yeah. wants to find out. So how long ago did you set that quiz up? Well, the quiz was set and the quiz has evolved. I've actually changed it now. So if anyone takes it right now, it's completely different. Uh-huh. But the, the quiz was set up back in 2018 when the book was released. Um, it was released December 2018. The quiz came out right as the book was released. Um, and when the quiz initially, what would happen is someone would take the quiz. They would get that same email that you get now um, that gives you your score, has a little picture of the book, you know, all of that. But then it would have a statement at the end that stated something along the lines of over the next three days, you will get um, like my series on, you know, how to implement this or something. I don't even Mm -hmm. remember the details of it. And I had it set up for an automatic um, sending of emails over like a seven day period. So they got three and then there was like a break. 
and then they'd get another one and then there was a break and then they'd get another one. So they get kind of these scattered emails sent out Mm -hmm. so that it kind of stayed connected. Well, how successful was it? Well, over 250,000 people have taken the quiz. So you can imagine what that email list looks like and what that email list costs when it gets to that range. So it was so successful that I, that I then went in and weeded my email list down to like 65,000 people. Mm -hmm. And, and then I unconnected the autoresponder. So, and, and what I did was I can, so now when you go to, I, they get the initial first email Mm -hmm. and then they get prompted to a website that says, if you would like to get signed up for continued emails, this is where you do it. And I'll send it out once a month. So people could self-select. They didn't automatically go into Mm -hmm. my permanent email. They self-select to go in because I, I didn't need it to grow. (laughs) Yeah. Anymore. I needed to be more selective. (laughs) I needed to be more selective because, you know, uh, a quarter million uh, for some, I know some of you are like quarter million. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, when I started this, I barely had 200, Mm -hmm. you know, I had, I had been working with my email and building it up. I got from 200, like 2000 when the book came out. So my email list went from 2000 to a quarter million. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that list is so huge. You're paying hundreds, almost mm-hmm. thousands of dollars yeah, yeah. Uh, for your email list. And I wanted an email list where, where I was getting not only excellent open rates, like 50, 60%. I wanted emails where when I put something in it, people were clicking on it because mm-hmm. then that opens up doors for advertising and all mm-hmm. sorts of other things. And so I, I've honed down to a very niche list of very interactive people. And now if anyone takes the quiz, if they want to join the list, they have to put in their email address on that prompting page that comes up to get signed up. And I still mm-hmm. get people signing up every day, mm-hmm. but it's not at the level because there's lots of people that take the quiz. The mm-hmm. thing is, when you do a custom URL that is so, so simplified like that, REST quiz, it it pops up high in Google just because of the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a whole topic in itself, right? I mean, that's amazing. Uh, just, yeah, that you've grown your list that way because I'm thinking everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's what I keep hearing, right? That I got to grow my list. But um, I'm so glad you tapped into the fact that it needs to be an engaged list, right? If you're really going to do something with it. But I love you sharing that because I did notice that today that that there was the second sign up, which I just didn't even think anything of it. But I, I like hearing the mechanics of behind the scenes because I know I've worked with authors before that have had that issue where their list gets to a certain size and you're paying out the wazoo. And, you know, you got to have your 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 one sign up on one place and then your weekly email or monthly email in another place. So um, I love you sharing about that. So we will definitely put a link in the show notes, but it's so easy to remember, right? Right restquiz.com. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I'm sure that you would attribute a lot of that, right? That you've, that what you just said, that you shared it on your media interviews everywhere you can, like it just comes rolls everywhere. out of your mouth or if you can do a link. So yeah, I can't imagine that no one would want to take a, you know, advantage of that right away. Like if you were hearing you on a radio station and you're in the car, I mean, just how easy that would be to plug it in and, and be able to sign up. So thanks for sharing that, Sandra. <laughs> And not just that, but also like if you are a speaker, when you're on stage, I would share from the stage. If you are uh, writing articles or blog posts for people, you can Uh put that in the blog post. So many ways to use it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you hear a lot about the texting from the stage, which I know that works probably good too, but I'm just thinking that that's 
just hearing a short URL, like that would just, you would just, you know, you don't have to remember a number, right? You just go riskwiz.com and it's just so easy to sign up for it. Um, and I'm so glad you shared about using a short URL like that. Cause yeah, so many of our names are so complicated. And then when you add on different things on your domain, it just gets longer and longer. So that's so smart to do that. And I hope that everybody will take advantage and do something similar. If they're um, using a quiz to build their list and media, of course, to uh, share the quiz <laughs> with their target readers. So tell us about your Be Your Own Publicist course and how you got started with that and um, where our listeners can find out more information about it. Cause I think it's so fascinating and I want to learn more about it myself. Yeah, so the course was something that I did a couple of years ago, right after I was starting to have a lot of success with just pitching myself to different places. And, you know, I pitched myself on to Daystar and on to mm-hmm. Dr. Oz. And so it worked both in Christian settings, it worked in secular settings. You know, I think it was a lot of people were were reluctant to be their own publicist and to mm-hmm. pitch themselves just because they didn't know how to put together a good pitch. They didn't know, you know, what to expect once they send things out, how to pr- present their materials in such a way so that they could get approved and accepted. And so um, the course is currently, the, well, my met website, I choose my slash author support. Mm-hmm. probably is the best way for someone to connect with kind of all the different resources. I also put out a newsletter that shares kind of writing um, opportunities and mm-hmm. speaking opportunities and other things. And it also talks about the course there, but the course is a three-part course. It works through that mindset part of it, that um, marketing evangel- evangelism, getting past being the fear of promotion. Um, it works through how to put together a pitch and then it works through the process of being consistent in that, because I think that's where a lot of us give up. You know, we Mm -hmm. are like, oh, I didn't hear anything back from that first two or three I sent out. It's a numbers game. You know, Mm -hmm. when a PR person sends a pitch, they don't send like two, you know, they're sending like 20 at a time. So you have to kind of learn the steps for being able to get the information. It's a lot more simplified than people think, Mm -hmm. but it does have some legwork that's required. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know like with, um, with TV pitching, I know that that seems to be the hardest one to hunt down the contact information on. And I think you may have mentioned, uh, or I saw it maybe on your website that you maybe have that in your course, but do you have any tips on like, especially for TV? Like I feel like for podcast host, which actually I'm going to say, I thought it was so funny at She Speaks when I heard you talk on this topic, which whatever year that was before the shutdown, right? Last time all 800 of us were together, um, but you shared about, you know, finding a podcast host email address just simply by signing up for their email list. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like that just changed my world because I was like, that's so easy. And now I do it often because I also like to um, subscribe and then reply. And so the counts are like the two domains, like talking to each other. So whenever I do send a pitch, I know it won't land in their spam, but I love that you shared um, that tip about, you know, you can just sign up for somebody's email to get their email address. But what about like TV producers, you know, trying to figure out who to send a pitch to. Can you share maybe a little tip on that? Yeah. You know what? With TV, you just have to be brave because if you're going to be on a camera live, which is Mm -hmm. how a lot of those are, you're going to have to be brave then. So be brave in the beginning Mm -hmm. and call somebody on the telephone and say, Hey, I'm an author. I speak about this. I saw you have these morning segments where you interview authors who would be the contact person I would connect with to share about my idea. And then they tell you, Mm -hmm. it literally is that simple. 
So, okay. but I think yeah. too often we, we are looking for a roundabout, like what's the, mm-hmm. can I get somebody's email? So I don't yeah. have to put myself really out there. And, you know, mm-hmm. if they say no, it's not really to my face, yeah. but you know, if you're going to be on TV, there's a boldness to mm-hmm. that and you just have to practice it. You know, the good thing is it's the phone. So they don't see your face. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> When they mm-hmm. say no, they wouldn't. We wouldn't be interested in that. You know, you they don't see what facial reaction you give because it's on the phone. So I just recommend people just be, you know, be courageous in that moment and put together your list of local TV, radio, whatever it is in your area. Mm-hmm. Call them up. You know, you want to do some initial investigation because you you do look kind of silly if you call up a show that doesn't do any kind of interviews ever. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. But, you know, actually watch the show, see how they do it, see what who they've had on, how they conduct the interviews, and then pitch yourself. Yeah, that's a great tip. I know you mentioned this. I think it was at Sparky you said, you know, don't pitch where you haven't vetted, you know, because you do kind of know what you're going into. And and I'm so glad you just talked about, yeah, just being brave and doing, especially if you're just getting started, you're just going to be focusing on local TV, right? I was just thinking about like, you were talking about being your own publicist and not having to, you know, pay the the, you know, high prices of a publicity firm. And I think about like the databases that you can buy into that have all those um, journalist emails, you know, but it's like, you don't even know if they're right. And one also, if you're just focusing on local, then, you know, why not build those relationships? Cause you might want to get on there more than once. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. so for, let me ask you for Sandra. So for you as a podcast host of, I choose my best life podcast, how do you like to be pitched, um, for guests? And is there anything that stands out to you in a podcast pitch whenever you receive it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Whenever I get a podcast pitch that specifically says something along the lines of, you know, I, I would love to come on your show um, to talk about such and such, and a potential title could be choose whatever, because most of my show titles have the word choose in it. Mm-hmm. Choose freedom, choose joy, choose surrender, cho- choose something. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the focus of my show. And so when they tell me not only what they want to talk about, but then they've already thought through a title and the title actually shows that they looked at the show, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they know something about it. I'm automatically a little bit more impressed. Mm -hmm. I'm even more impressed when they can reflect back and tell me on a prior show that they enjoyed and what they enjoyed about it. Mm -hmm. Now, not only did they just scan, which, which honestly, the fact that they vetted it and, and, and looked to see that I actually talk about what they talk about. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But then to know they actually listened and can tell me details about one of the shows that's next level. That's mm-hmm. someone I'm like, okay, they know how I flow. They're not going to come on and, and I'm going to have to spend 10 minutes explaining everything to them. They're already kind of familiar with what I do and it's more likely to be a good fit and they're more likely to get a yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, so everybody take note of that. <laughs> um, so Sandra, just tell us, uh, this has been incredible and I will definitely put links to um, your course and your website. And of course, everybody knows to go to restquiz.com. Uh, but is there a favorite place you like people to connect with you online, like for social media? Yeah, I would probably say Instagram. Um, it's just Dr. Dalton Smith, just the DR Dalton Smith. Um, for Instagram, that's probably where the best place to connect with me. I actually answer my DMs 
I, I have a hard time finding my DMs on Facebook for some reason. So, so I actually reply there more likely. So that's a good place to connect with me. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Sandra. I can't wait for our listeners to hear all about um, how to be your own publicist. I so appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my goodness, y'all. Who's ready to be their own publicist? Be sure to check out the show notes on the blog at bookmarketingmania.com. And I'll also link it here in your podcast player so you can get all the goodies that Sandra and I mentioned in the show. Thanks for tuning in, y'all, and I'll see you back here in two weeks to help you market your book one podcast at a time. 